Hey, it's Meg Nally from Big Brother Season 17, and you are listening to The Recap. DJ Earworm, and you're listening to The Recap. Hi, I'm Heather McDonald, and you're listening to The Recap. It's American Idol winner Nick Fradiani, and you are listening to The Recap. Welcome to The Recap. I'm Erin McClory. And I'm Carly Miller. Today, we're going to do something we've never done before on the show, and that is talk about sports. We're still going to talk about celebrities, of course. A little bit of the unknown for me and and you, Erin, mixed with the familiar, and that being celebrities. Yeah, so we have joining us the sports director of ICTV, Steve Altieri, to talk about the impact of athletes and celebrities dating. Steve, Thank, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a long time coming. We've it, wanted to collaborate for a while, mostly you wanting to collaborate. It's, it's been three years in the making. Persistence uh, is key, right? Look at where it got you. Persistence, begging, whatever you want to call it, like, <laughs> good to go. All righty. Well, well, let's start off with celebrities and athletes dating. There's a lot of controversy surrounding this, especially with Khloe Kardashian and Tristan Thompson dating and LeBron James being awfully open about the fact that he doesn't want her at the games. And that's really what's gotten this conversation between us going. So here's the thing about Tristan Thompson and Khloe Kardashian. So Khloe Kardashian has made her way around the NBA in certain ways. Um, James Harden, uh, one of the best players in the NBA who played for the Rockets, had had a relationship with Miss Kardashian in the in recently and he said it was the worst statistical year of his career. He said by far it was the worst time he had playing basketball. But like and that's why it this affects like sports. But on the other side, like these are celebrities. Like Chloe Kardashian's a big name just because Lamar Odom James Harden, Tristan Thompson, these are big names in the sports world. She is, on her own rate, a very big name. that She's a household name herself. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, my immediate reaction to that is, don't people look for people to blame when they do something poorly? So couldn't he be blaming his James Harden and be like, yeah, those were you know, the worst playing years of my life or playing months or whatever of my life. I'm going to blame Khloe Kardashian for it. That could have nothing to do with it. You're absolutely right. It could have nothing to do it's with causation. it. But at the same time correlation without causation yes. or, is that what you're looking <laughs> yes, for so i didn't want to cut you off okay thank you thank you so much so if you go back to the 1980s the nba they the statistics were that players who would go like go out like before games would have issues so the home team in the 1980s averaged a pace of 55 wins to put that in perspective this season the best team in the eastern conference is on pace to finish the year with 53 so that's like best in a conference level performance for the home teams and part of the reason why they say that is is because players would be going out a lot because of their relationships with like people on the road and so when you say oh it doesn't connect like part part of me saying well we have history where it shows it, it connects. If you look at the NFL, Tony Romo, when he was in a relationship with Jessica Simpson, let's talk about that. They Go went. Ahead. The Dallas Cowboys went two and fourteen. He breaks up with Jessica Simpson. They make the playoffs and win his first playoff game of his career the next year. So now, I know that it's like it might be a stretch, but we're seeing instance after instance where this is the case, where players, teams and themselves are performing at a lower level when they're in these relationships. So uh, aside from just, you know, the, the performance of the athletes themselves, let's talk about the greater spectacle, and that being should wives and girlfriends be banned from attending sporting events? Because as I mentioned previously, LeBron James has been outward, outwardly open about how he doesn't approve of Khloe Kardashian and the Kardashians. I know Courtney was just seen at the game, what, two nights ago on Snapchat with Khloe Kardashian supporting the team. Should that happen? Because you have Celebrity Row at these games where, you know, it is a spectacle for celebrities to be at this event. That's what it is. Why should Khloe Kardashian be banned from coming to it but say Natasha Benningfield? I'm throwing out random celebrities where, when I've been at games. They've been there. But, but why is it not as big of a spectacle for other celebrities to be there? Why can Lala go to the Knicks and it be okay because, you know, she's dating Carmelo Anthony, but when Khloe Kardashian comes to the Cavs games, it's an issue because she's dating Tristan Thompson. The the issue, I think, comes when LeBron James makes it an issue. And because he 
he by himself he owns the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> and he literally anything he says goes in that organization. But there's also a different what difference with one of your examples was the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks, Los Angeles Lakers, these big market teams where like you have the expectation of celebrities being around that we expect that to happen. Like the Cleveland Cavaliers, they never have. It's Cleveland. Like it, it's, it's Cleveland, Cleveland but Ohio. They just won. You know, didn't they, they just win the they, national? They, they just won the championship, championship last, last year. year. Um, wow, Carly, look at they, you. Uh, they lost to Golden State Warriors. Yeah, they I, beat the Golden State Warriors they, they after beat, losing the previous the, year. Yes. Golden State Warriors lost to them. Aisha Curry, Stephen Curry's wife, took to Twitter to express the fact that she felt as though the game was rigged. You know, you bring in celebrities and wives into the mix, and I'll stay on it. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's another so, example right there. But was that, did they lose because she was there, Salty? Did Sorry, the, did so, the, Steve. Salty <laughs> is your popular nickname, so what I'm used to. Well, I, I don't think a wife or a girlfriend in the crowd's ever going to be the cause of the outcome of a game. But if in the macro sense, in the long term, if there's a distraction for a player, for a team, that, that can have its tolls. Like... Going to golf, this is kind of a tangent, but Dustin Johnson has had his issues finishing off golf tournaments, and he is in a relationship with Paulina Gretzky, and he and like every single time he comes off the course, they're walking together, and people are, are like, "Oh my goodness!" Like she's in the crowd, like front row, and it's just like, "Well, that doesn't affect how he golfs. Like that has no it connection." A spectacle. But at, but but when Tristan Thompson is dating Khloe Kardashian and the best player in the NBA for the last fifteen years, like is like this is a big issue like that that can create locker room strife it's an issue though that's my question is i don't understand why it's an issue for a celebrity to be at a basketball game regardless of if they're dating or not celebrities i mean athletes are celebrities in their own right to start with so if you want to say you can't have celebrities at a sporting event that just doesn't make sense to me i think it's not so much the sporting event so much as around the teams for example let's look at the lakers last year d'angelo russell who's a guard on the lakers posted a video of Nick Young, another player on the Lakers, talking about cheating on his girlfriend at the time, Iggy Azalea. Fiance at the time, really. They were engaged, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, very I- briefly. Iggy Azalea. Right. And so now that something like that happens, that now the locker room gets split. People get mad but at each other. Who's to blame for that? Those are well, teammates going against each other. That's people posting and exposing each other. And I don't think Iggy it has... Azalea, yeah. she wasn't the one who initiated that. And I think that even if it wasn't a celebrity, if, if it had been him cheating on anybody, it could have gone viral just as much and been, here. here's this celebrity, this athlete, cheating on his fiance, regardless of the fact that it's Iggy Azalea. That's going to make waves. And she would have since then probably become famous due to said scandal, but... I don't think that the fact that he was dating Iggy Azalea made it all the more of a, of a story necessarily. I think the story and the basis of the story was that a teammate went against another teammate exposing him, we could say. I don't think that that's, you know, dramatizing the situation. And then the the guy who sent the video, didn't he have to release a formal apology and all of that? So where, Steve, you, you posed that, I, I agree. Let's get away from the Kardashians and bring up other celebrities and their, their you know, athletes and their relationships. But where does Iggy Azalea being an international celebrity, you know, where does that come into play with the Nick Young drama? Well, it makes it everything bigger. So, like, when you have, if you had the same situation happen with two different, with an ath- two different athletes, like, posting videos about each other and it's just a random person, first of all, I'm guessing it, it would never happen. Like, they wouldn't, like, that video never would have gotten posted. Right. But when you have a celebrity involved who, like, is famous and, like, and it gets everything else connected, especially the Lakers, like the Showtime team, like that makes everything at such a grander scale that not only is the locker room like disconnected, but now we have to talk about it and we have to talk about it over and over and over again and it doesn't go away. Right, and, and I get that. And Steve, I understand that, you know, it's Iggy Azalea, so then you're going to have entertainment and the insider, Entertainment Tonight, the insider, E! News, you're going to have all these greater sources touching upon it as well. But I think what Aaron, as well as myself, are trying to prove here is that it is a scandal in itself either way you put it. When someone from the locker room exposes another man, whether this girl is a nobody, whether she's a model who we've seen a few times, or whether she's Iggy Azalea who's all over entertainment and pop culture, think 
that it's going to be covered by these outlets no matter what because of the basis. Like you said, it's Los Angeles Lakers, so let's face it, we care about this team. It's in L.A. for, for God's sake. But I think that either way it creates the basis for a story no matter what, whether you remove the girl from the situation entirely, whether you put Iggy Azalea, whether you put a hot model, or whether you put his high school sweetheart in it, it's still the basis of drama and news no matter what. It is, but I, I do understand what you're saying, Steve, as far as it becomes more of a spectacle and a bigger thing when it is a celebrity involved. So let me ask you, do you know who Kiana Green is? I can't say okay, that and, I do. And that's good because my point is that is Nick Young's ex-girlfriend and baby mama, but you don't know who she is now, but you might going forward or maybe the entertainment well, well, world na- Well, is. now I will because you just told me who well, she is. Yeah, <laughs> but even more than that, she's joining the cast of the TV show Basketball Wives LA. So, I mean, in that sense, I want to talk about these kinds of TV shows that make this a bigger spectacle than it is. I mean, we had Chloe and Lamar, which was, of course, about when Chloe Kardashian and Lamar Odom were married. Eric and Jesse, Game On, which was a show on E! about their relationship. Uh, Basketball Wives, which premiered back in 2011 on VH1, and now, like I just mentioned, they have Basketball Wives LA, which is a spinoff, and they have Shawnee's Home Court, which follows Shaq's ex-wife. <laughs> and then they have WAGS, which stands for Wives and Girlfriends, and in this case, of professional athletes. And it's all about whether it's baby mamas, exes, Current girlfriends, current And there's a hierarchy wives. there of, like, wives, girlfriends, hookups, and these wives are exposing how, you know, the the rate in which these men are capable of staying faithful. I mean, they're really open with that. And yeah, totally. And the drama that goes behind the, behind the scenes. I mean, that's not the, it, right? The IMDb description in itself explains that there is a hierarchy, especially with if they have a multi-million dollar contract if they're married to someone with that kind of contract versus someone else and it's just it it becomes this huge thing of of the wives and the girlfriends and the exes and the baby mamas of these athletes i watched that show maybe once or twice very very loosely i don't follow it i don't know any any of the women's names but what i do know is that one of the women on the show had a party a legitimate party of at a venue you know very very fancy high strung because she reached 100 uh, sorry 100 1 million followers on instagram wow so this That's is the a type lot. of these, That's these, a lot. <laughs> but Steve, she had a, she had a party for that. So this is the type of women that you know that are on the show and th- something like that. I agree. Does that really look the best for the men? I don't know. Was, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess my question is: Is it embarrassing? Is, you're you're dating a, a woman who's throwing a party for having a, a one million followers. So I think the bigger thing with this is how connected at least the NBA is with pop culture. Like overall, these athletes are very w- connected with like and are a part of this entertainment culture that has developed around player like athletes and their wives like it's really the nba is the biggest one with this where all these different players have you do think it's the nba that's the biggest i think it's the nba that's the biggest even though like you can look at the nfl and you can point out plenty of like celebrity couples but this connection with tv shows that are based around around like players wives and stuff like that i believe the nba is the one where like that the connection's the strongest with pop culture. Yeah, definitely. But w- one of my next questions is about how you think entertainment figures can have a negative impact on an athlete's career. Do you think it goes the other way? Can an athlete have a negative impact on an entertainer's career? Oh, absolutely. I think that there could be negative effects either way. I think there can be positive effects either way. Like, for example, a positive one, Giselle Bunchens had a great effect on Tom Brady's career because Why? just for the simple fact that he takes one of the lowest salaries for starting quarterbacks in the NFL. His team can spend that money on other players and his team can have more success. And why can why is he able to do that because Giselle is the breadwinner in that family. She has all the money in the world, and you know what? Like that—that that has a phenomenal exactly, model. exactly. Right. That has a po- positive effect on Tom Brady's career, and so there. But there can also be like I think the trend is, especially in the NBA, especially around a certain family with the last name that begins with K. There tends to be a negative effect instead of a positive effect. Because of the distractions caused by by and there, there by we've talked about this before, Aaron. Especially when Lamar Odom was going through, you know, his tragic overdose last year, and how people were calling it a Kardashian curse, and how Lamar Odom really wasn't well. He, he was a name prior to Khloe Kardashian, but this name got taken into a completely d- different genre, and that genre being entertainment. And he kind of just launched a different career overnight that he didn't have control over. You look at Scott Disick's issues as well. I know I'm branching out of sports, but I'm saying that there is a quote unquote Kardashian curse, and we've always kind of went against people saying that because it's so different but Steve I guess what I want to ask you is we mentioned that there's a hierarchy undeniably especially with the show Wags and how they they 
they themselves address that hierarchy of wives and girlfriends and all that. So with that being said, you mentioned Giselle and her positive impact. I know Eric Decker has been extremely open on the fact that his his wife, Jesse James Decker, her singing career and their reality show that they had on E! for two seasons, and there's always been speculation in regards to whether or not it will return. But my point here being is that these men have always been extremely open about how their wives have positively positively influenced them. With that being said, do you feel as though men who are married and with children face less of a stigma surrounding their relationship and their wives' impacts on them as opposed to a hookup, a fling, a girlfriend? So what I'm saying is, can Chloe, can Chloe and Tristan date or get engaged in the next year? Can they continue to have a relationship? Will he still face this, you know, negative chirping from, from his entire team, from, from fans everywhere? If he marries her, will this go away? Or is it just the name and that's going to continue on, do you think? I think that's a f- absolutely fantastic point because, like... I, I wasn't even thinking about that. Like, I'm, like my perce- perceptions, people's perceptions can easily be negatively like looked at just based off of, oh, they're just like a thing for a little while. And my go-to example for a good relationship was Giselle and Tom Brady. Tom Brady had a child with Bridget Moynihan, and we never talk about that because right. Giselle is like this big thing. And so maybe, maybe that's the case. Maybe if it's a girlfriend situation, if, maybe if we look at it, more poorly but at the same time maybe that's where the distractions also come in like Absolutely. Giselle isn't a negative distraction like the way that stable. Iggy Azalea is with the Lakers like I know what you mean I mean when you look at some of the couples that are together you have Russell Wilson and Sierra of course they're newly married but I don't think that that could be as big of a distraction because of that I mean you have Mike Fisher, Carrie Underwood, Mike Fisher, of course, an NHL player, but they got married back in 2010. They had their first child together in 2015. That doesn't seem like it's a distraction at all. That's a positive relationship. Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union, they've been married since 2014. You don't hear much issue going on there. And then, of course, Carmelo Anthony and Lala Vasquez, they've been married since 2010, and they have a son together as well. since 2004. Yeah, been together a very long time. And then... One thing... You can go. You can go. Okay. Steve. One thing we're getting close to, though, is also the branding of these athletes. Like in the past decade, especially since Twitter took off, social media has become a lot better, bigger. Like the brand of who I am as an athlete and who I am as a celebrity has become a much bigger deal. And maybe like your example of Russell Wilson and Sierra. Russell Wilson's been very proactive of this is the relationship I'm in like this like we're open but we're not so open and so that's how he's branded himself a certain way also and so it seems to be this almost like the brand of the individual and the brand of the couple together at the same time that's a, phenomenal that's a point. good point yeah and and I think it's all the better when those two you know brandings coincide with one another so they're not pretending to be you know this individual and then this relationship it's here I am as an individual but this significant other makes me all the more better all, all the great. yes and Steve you know we talked I I posed the question of you know does the legitimacy of the relationship change your mentality on the outlook of the influence that the person will have on the athlete but we bring up marriage and that's not necessarily the case of you know finalization especially amongst these celebrities and these athletes I mean we see divorces going around getting thrown around like they're nothing we were talking earlier just about Jennifer Lopez who's been right. married three times <laughs> exactly <laughs> and, and you you hardly even know but then you look at Kim Kardashian and Chris Humphreys you know of of course a, I think a, a former NBA player at this point For, right former He's, NBA player at this okay. point amazing rebounder <laughs> fantastic rebounder hey, he has got something going for him and what that marriage lasted 37 30 Sixties and and no, I'm not more throwing than that. Did it? It was like seventy something. 70, Give them a little credit. Days? Okay, okay, my bad. But but that that's right. That's it right there. And of course, I know the Kardashians. I think we can put them in a different spectrum for this discussion. But at the end of the day, just because you're married, that doesn't mean that you'll be together forever. We've seen this happen before, and so I I do think it's an interesting topic and one that I don't think will really go away anytime soon. So long as we have the NBA, these athletes turning into huge public figures and of course the celebrities in which they choose to date kind of rising to fame with them or them meeting their celebrity significant other at that level of stardom. Yeah and I mean one of the last things I think that I want to touch on is the difference between a celebrity who you think is I don't want to use the right reasons word because now I feel like we're talking about The Bachelor and the right reasons but when you have someone like Kim Kardashian, Khloe Kardashian, do you think part of it is that people don't necessarily think they're in the relationship for the right reasons versus someone like Carrie Underwood who is like America's sweetheart and you have more of a reason to think she's in the relationship 
for love versus for the spectacle and, and to just and date an athlete and, and whatnot. Do you think that that has an impact on how fans of these sports teams view the relationship and view the celebrity coming to the games? Oh, absolutely. I, th- I think as a society overall, we don't like to feel like we're being BSed or anything like that. We don't want, like, we don't want to feel like we're being lied to. And so like these like certain couples like this, it feels like, oh, we're just together because it, it's mutually beneficial. It's us a family that I want to talk about is the Rogers family, Aaron Rogers, whose brother was on Good the, point. on the bachelor and phenomenal. And, and uh, wow, I know, I know I'm, I'm impressing myself even <laughs> right now, but he, um, Aaron Rogers a couple months ago came like ha- had very negative comments about his entire family. And he has a very like public relationship with Olivia Munn. And so it seems like with inside of that family, the, at least the public perception seems to be, it seems to be like his relationship is solid, but his the other part of his family is trying to use that fame or something along those lines for the wrong reason. So people tend to, so now we're looking at that family and it's like exactly what you were saying. Oh, that that side of the family that's not the relationship is the part that's doing it for the wrong reasons. When when it's typically when we're looking at this, we're actually looking at the rela- the relationship itself where the issues so come from. I think when push comes to shove here, you're taking these athletes that have had fairly humble beginnings. You know, they they rise to fame slowly but surely. They've worked their whole lives as athletes, not as public figures. And then, like you said, Steve, the rise of social media, there's money involved, there's women involved, which leads to a bunch of other issues that can spiral out of control. And when push comes to shove, you're taking these small-town guys more oftentimes than not. They go to big schools, they get drafted, and here they are in this world that they only ever dreamed of being in. And so that right there is... Is, is the is the issue more oftentimes than not? How do they handle this? Some some guys can handle it. Russell Wilson, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. Some some men can, can stay grounded, and some other people, Lamar Odom. Who knows what will happen with Tristan Thompson? But they almost can't. And who's to blame for that? Do we know? Like we don't really know. And also think about it. Like we look at celebrities. Like these these guys are athletes they've worked incredibly hard and then they become 19 20 years old and they have millions of dollars like imagine right, right now you having that much money like what would happen right like, it'd be nice like, but it would you be, can't wrap your like, head around exactly it. like it's too much like it might be too much to handle and that can come from relationships that can come from any other set of circumstances definitely i mean it's an interesting conversation just to get it going about celebrities and athletes dating there's so much we could dive into but i know your time is limited and we have a little more to talk about so Thank you so much for coming on, Steve. We really do appreciate it. Thank yes. you so much for having me. Something this was a pleasure. To, something to check off the bucket list. Is it? Is it safe to say? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Sure. The Thank recap you. was near the top of the list. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. But we do have to move on from the court to, well, all over the world. That's right, Erin. And, and from all over the world, we're talking about The Bachelor because it's safe to say that they go just about everywhere when traveling. They don't just stay in one place. And that brings me to the fact that the finale takes place in Finland or what seems to be like the past month of this show in that. You know what I mean? Yeah, for I sure. I feel like we always hop from country to country to country and we were just stagnant in Finland for a very long time. The show did seem to stop in Finland for quite a while. I mean, I don't know. Did they travel there? I guess right after hometown date. So really it wasn't that long. Three weeks though, right? Two weeks? Top three in the finale, I guess. But even that just seems like a lot. I feel like they always travel somewhere for top three and then they go somewhere else for final two and I don't know usually it's somewhere warm I feel like it's always somewhere warm but it's also always a pit stop at the bachelor or bachelorette's hometown first so we got to talk about that now we can't ignore the fact that they did go to Nick's hometown with Raven weeks and weeks before yeah I mean all the women got to go but you're right Raven did have one of the one I think Danielle L might have as well but but it was Raven stood out because she got to meet the family on right she went to she went to the little sister's soccer game I believe the little sister's Brittany but I no don't want and I don't remember but that's That's okay okay. that's okay it's it's an irrelevant point the point here is that why did the family come to Finland rather than them going there it felt all the more like a televised event and a lot less like love. And I know that that's something that viewers oftentimes struggle with. And I think that we're going to get to that, dive deeper into that conversation a little bit later with the upcoming season. But Aaron, it didn't feel as genuine. Can, can you correct me if I'm wrong on that, if you disagree with that? No, I do agree with you. I do think the whole thing felt a little, I mean, just the fact that they were in Finland and they did not go back to Wisconsin was weird to me in this finale. The fact that, yes, we already went to Wisconsin, and and you mentioned that, but why not do it again? Because 
we didn't go, you know, to the to, to Nick's house and to meet the family. Yes, they went to the soccer game and whatnot, but the whole beginning of the finale is supposed to be them meeting the family at the house. You're in their environment, and that's what's so special about it. And and when you take them all out of their environment and they're all in Finland, it kind of doesn't have that specialness that it it would if they were at their house. Just like with Absolutely. hometown dates, you wouldn't take them somewhere other than your hometown. When you meet the family, you should be meeting the family in their town, in their house. Right, exactly. And Erin, they flew them out there. It, it it just seemed like usually we're seeing we're used to seeing, I don't know, a good five minutes, a good segment of them talking at the dinner table, of them interacting over home cooked meals. I mean here you saw a white tablecloth cloth perfectly set up with white plates the perfect serving of mashed potatoes I saw like a little piece of steak it looked like <laughs> or something with raven but my point being is here is that it was so obviously set up by a production team and it seemed all the less natural it just for some reason this finale felt so much different than others and I don't say that because the 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 end result seemed so obvious and that end result being that he would end up with Vanessa because I feel like it was rather obvious that in in seasons past we knew come on, that JoJo was going to pick Jordan. We kind of had a strong feeling that Ben was going to pick Lauren. The only thing that threw us off was the fact that Ben's parents so obviously connected with JoJo more than Lauren. But what I mean here is I don't think we can blame it on, oh, well, we went into it kind of knowing. We went into it knowing that, in my opinion, Raven's relationship didn't have the emotional depth to make it to, to... to getting engaged. I'm saying I don't think it felt different because I knew he was going to pick Vanessa because there have been plenty of season finales where the the end was so obvious. Including one of Nick's old seasons, which would have been Caitlyn's season. We knew because she had leaked it <laughs> that, that it, she was picking Sean. She, she leaked it seven weeks in. Yeah. So what I mean by this season, this season finale felt so much different. I can't pinpoint it. I but think one of the reasons might be because, yes, we had a strong feeling he was going to pick Vanessa. So say we know that. But one of the things about Vanessa and Nick's relationship is the way that it was edited was that it was a shaky relationship to already begin with. And they had so many issues and whatnot, which I'm sure it wasn't like that the whole time. And we saw glimpses of of them being so in love. But what we mostly saw was the conflict because that's what makes a good show. So we had this much conflict and going into it, we're like, he's going to pick her and they already have this much conflict. We know they're not going to make it. So what's the point? True. And I think that's why people are having that feeling about this. Now, whether or not they make it, I don't know. I'm a little bit, I mean, before when we had talked about the boss, we were like, there's no one left on the show who I could see him with, whatnot, it's not going to work. I don't know about that anymore. I'm a little hesitant to say that it's definitely not going to work. But I do think that's one of the reasons is just that there was so much negative energy in that relationship through the edit that it kind of rubbed off on the audience. I, I can't agree more with that, Erin. It's interesting because right before Vanessa goes to meet Nick at the spot in which he ends up proposing to her, she kind of talks about, as we've seen throughout the past three weeks or so, her talking about how she's not ready to be engaged, but now she knows she's ready to be engaged. And I was watching with a few other people. And the point that was all made was, good for her like we said you don't know this person and so she wants to end up with Nick but she doesn't know if it needs to end up in an engagement that being is that she associates an engagement with a wedding and right right now she wants to date him exclusively she wants to end up with Nick know that he's all hers but does that have to come with a ring because there comes with so much uncertainty and to her an engagement is a big deal I think there's so many times in this show where people put that ring on their finger they don't consider the real world they don't consider where they're going to move and heck maybe that's something that the audience needed to see and that was the realist side of this and I bring up that that term realist reality realistic because that's a that's a word that we heard a lot from Nick on after the final rose when he was defending his relationship with Vanessa I think it's safe to say so let's talk about that we kind of talk about the finale of I mean the proposal it was it was beautiful Aaron there's no denying yeah, the that the proposal was nice I mean before we jump to that I do want to talk about you say maybe it didn't need to end in a proposal and Vanessa saying that but okay. my question is if it didn't end in a proposal how much hate would Nick have gotten I mean it brings us back to Juan Pablo season and yes that was obviously very different because of the type of bachelor he was and how it needed to. And that's yeah. why Vanessa woke up that morning, stepped outside on the balcony in that black dress with the fur around her neck and said, I thought about this. And last night I came to the realization that, like, Nick, this is it. I want to be engaged to him. All of her doubts went out the window. I get that. Erin, we bring up that. You pose that question. It's phenomenal. My question to you is, Vanessa being so skeptical, so doubtful of whether an engagement is what she wanted, you say the edits. There's no denying that. They obviously cut down this footage to tell somewhat of a cohesive story. My question for you is, was that almost an act to create drama because it was so obvious that Vanessa was it? I think you could argue that about every season. I mean, I don't think it was super obvious 
that Vanessa was the one to a lot of people. I think, say, I mean, I just like to think about what if this was the kind of show that aired without social media? If you had stayed off social media and not talked to anyone else, would you have thought Vanessa would win? I didn't have Vanessa winning in fantasy. I don't think you did either. No, I did. You did. I had okay, Vanessa a lot of and people, Raven. Did you have Vanessa winning? Yes. Okay, a lot of people had Vanessa winning. And I, I, when I saw that, I was like, whoa, whoa, what? Like, I didn't understand how so many people from the very beginning could pick Vanessa to win. And it makes me wonder... Is one person reading a spoiler, telling it to someone else, telling it to someone else, everybody's getting it in their head, it goes online that Vanessa's the front runner. Right. I, I don't know. I don't think it's obvious to everyone I mean, else. Bear, bear with me here, and not to defend myself, because this was made, these were observations that were made throughout the season, post-choosing who we thought was going to win, at least for fantasy. I think throughout the time you saw Vanessa get sick on their first date, you saw that she's a special education teacher from Montreal. She's really passionate about her students. The first day when she meets Nick, she brings a card from one of her students, really opens up to who she is as a young professional, as a young woman, her goals, her dreams, her aspirations, who she is. She prides herself on that throughout the show. You see all the drama with Corinne, girls defending Corinne, Taylor going against her. You have these two sides. And then you have Vanessa, who sits down with Nick and calls him out and says, I don't care about Corinne. I'm not disgusted by Corinne. Corinne is who she is good for her never really feeds into that BS per se that entertainment factor of the show totally steers clear of it I think that's safe to say doesn't choose team corn versus team Taylor but rather she calls Nick out and says I'm disgusted and disappointed with you because you're the person feeding into this and I don't know if that's the man that I want to be with and I think that that right there spoke volume she really stuck her ground stuck stayed true to who she was didn't get wrapped up in this entertainment aspect and I think that that's why it was so obvious that it would be Vanessa all along because she did always keep it real in a sense. And now to backtrack, I understand that we we submitted those decisions prior to even seeing that side of her. But I think that right off the bat, she kind of made it obvious as to who she was. This is who I am. I'm a strong person and I'm not going to change. And I think that that's why, at least for me, I'm only speaking to myself. I don't read the spoilers because I don't think I'd have an interest in watching the show necessarily if I knew. But that's really why she stuck out to me. That's a Good point. I'm glad you bring it up because that, those same instances kind of are the opposite outcome for me, if that makes sense. So when I see moments like that, it kind of makes me wonder, is this going to work out between them or is he going to go for someone else? The easy pick. Yeah. I mean, Which not necessarily, it? but I mean, him and Raven had such a fun connection. Yes, we didn't see a lot of the deeper stuff. I mean, she's come out and say we did have those deeper conversations. They're not going to necessarily show those. They're showing them with Vanessa. Do we want to see two very serious relationships? No, we, we want to see fun. Uh, we want to see, we want to see juxtaposed relationships. Absolutely. We want to see juxtaposed, but it was too one-sided for each girl. Raven was too fun. Vanessa was too serious. And that's why I think that at least for me, I went for, for Vanessa. Vanessa, Raven, I say emotional depth. I don't think that the, the relationship had a much had enough emotional depth. I mean, Erin, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when Raven left in in the in the van, left Finland after you know Nick had had said you know I love you, but I'm not in love with you, and and all of that. Her reaction, and I don't think that you have to be devastated. I think that more oftentimes than not, I'm laughing when girls are hysterical after week three, saying that they don't think they'll ever find love and that they're incapable of, you know, being loved and all this stuff. And Nick was the one. We're like, eh, you knew him for, you know, 10 days. But with that being said, Raven's re- Raven's reaction almost fe- felt like a week three. You know, I, and I'm yeah. not saying you have to be sobbing. I mean, I'm a crier myself. You, you know, every, everyone's different in that, in that matter. But I'm just saying her reaction to making it to the finale and not finding love, I wasn't really moved by it. That brings me back to Crystal's season when Becca came in second and she went home and everyone was, you know, hating on Becca on Twitter and whatnot saying, absolutely, you showed no emotion at all. You looked relieved to be going home. And in a sense, I mean, she was kind of like a Vanessa in the way she was like I have doubts about this I'm hesitant I don't know if I'm ready to be engaged whereas Whitney was like give me the ring and I think that's why it didn't work out I think Chris really was more in love with Becca and picked Whitney because it was the sure thing and it didn't work out but I mean that brings me to Becca didn't have much of a reaction Raven didn't seem to have much of a reaction I don't know if you can really judge their reaction especially because you have all these cameras on you you don't know how that's going to affect your reaction you you might be stunned whether you're shocked that you 
weren't engaged to or not, you're still stunned by the fact that this is over. It happened. I mean, you're just coming down from, I don't know if it's this high or this, you know, you feel like you're in this alternate universe. Yeah, whatever it may be. I don't know. And then, of course, you see her on After the Final Rose, and she's not really emotional there either. But think about the months that have passed between then and now. She's already, I'm sure, moved on in some senses. So I, I just, I don't know how you really judge someone's reaction. Okay, that's fair. And and you have to take into account their personalities. I think on After the Final Rose, when Becca was getting interviewed by Chris Harrison, and of course her reaction got brought up, she was like, I'm not an emotional person. I don't cry. I don't feel that way. Like, I don't let my emotions out like that. That doesn't mean that my relationship with Chris wasn't pure. And I think that she did defend herself in that manner and was just like, that's just not who I am. Yeah, and I mean, as a society as whole, we're... We find it hard to accept people who are different than ourselves. And I think this is just another example of that. Very and yes, true. It's, a, it's a dumbed down version of that, if, if you will. But it's still a, a difference where if you are a crier and you're seeing someone like this, not emotional, you're like, they don't care. How are they not crying? How are they not sobbing? How are they not a mess? Absolutely. But they're just different. And, and that's you're not okay. in that situation. I don't think that right. that's a situation that anyone can really put themselves in. Now, Aaron, we bring up Chris Harrison and in interviewing the women who were the runner-ups. Can we move on to after the final rose? Yes. And let's talk about Nick and Vanessa to start, because I think that that was, you know, we, we have to talk about Nick and Vanessa and I think Rachel, because those three individuals are, are really what this show was focused on. For sure. Nick and Vanessa, we see them together for the first time in public as an engaged couple. And people are saying that they were awkward. Yeah, people are saying they were miserable. I mean, I saw screenshots of them uh-huh. on social media that was like, wow, look at the happy couple. And yep. it's both, but I, I enjoyed it. I mean, to me, it was kind of like, First of all, Chris Harrison is asking them questions that are going to create awkward him. responses or uncomfortable moments or make them not smile and giggle and laugh together and be that joyous couple in public together. Chris Harrison asks him, asks Nick if he is still scared of the future. That is a quote. I wrote it down as Chris Harrison's asking them. Aaron, I think more oftentimes than not, the the culture, the environment of After the Final Rose is, how have you guys been doing the past four months? How have you been sneaking around? Oh my God, tell the story about how you bought a wig and wore it over to his apartment. Tell how you changed his name in your phone. Tell us the fun and exciting life that you've lived behind the scenes. Here we are, and we're still harping on the fact of, is Nick gonna find love? It's his fourth time. It's his fourth shot. The Bachelor in Paradise two times. The Andy and Caitlin two times. Is he going to finally find love? Here you are and you're harping on that. Are you still scared of the future? That has never been asked ever in a, after the final rose. What, what do you mean they're engaged? We never talk about the realistic side of this. Let's face it. It's the entertainment factor, you know. Tell us what you've been doing for the past four months. Don't tell us about, you know, are you afraid of what's to come? What's the legitimacy of your relationship? What? Yeah, I feel like it goes with the branding of the show and the branding of the season and the branding of their relationship. And, and they don't want to stray being, away. The branding being they the have issues. Yeah, of course. And that's fair. But at the same time, you have to get away from that because Bachelor Nation wants them to find love. They want them to succeed. They're not invested if they know it's not going to work out. So why wouldn't you use this opportunity to make their relationship feel so genuine and strong and happy and uplifting to give Bachelor Nation hope, I mean, the whole season there were doubts. Right. Don't instill those doubts now that they're already engaged. That's that's a phenomenal point, Aaron. That leads me to draw upon the fact Steve mentioned earlier the Rogers family. Right. I have to bring up last season, JoJo and Jordan, because I bring up that there's never been such negativity in After a Final Rose, and I need to go against that statement and say that we've experienced, rather we, we had experienced a lot of that throughout JoJo Fletcher, Jordan Rogers' engagement, and their After the Final Rose. And there was speculation prior to them coming out on this at the finale, at the ceremony, that they had already broken up. They faced so much backlash. You had Ben and Lauren awkwardly sitting in the stands. Ben giving JoJo advice, saying how beautiful she looked. It was so weird. Lauren giving Ben the look. We saw on after the fi- we saw on Ben and Lauren's you know freeform show that Lauren didn't even want to go there. There was so much drama. I think that they faced a lot of heat immediately after the season season ended this past August and. I think it's safe to say those rumors have since silenced. They seem happier than ever. I think that you and myself both, I didn't really want to see them end up together. I couldn't like them any more than I do right now. Do you think that this will be like that? Will these rumors subside? Will they, Will they? you know, come to a halt? Will they quiet down and we'll see them emerge as a stronger than ever couple? Yes, because right now 
they're in their five seconds of fame. And when Rachel season starts, we're going to focus on Rachel. And by the time we have a new bachelor, we've forgotten about Nick and Vanessa. You disagree. I disagree. You want to know why? Why? Because Nick is on Dancing with the Stars right now. For he's now, He's going yes. around. He's doing interviews, not with Vanessa, but with his Dancing with the Stars partner, Peta. And it's interesting because they were on the Ellen DeGeneres show right? some point this week last or week. last week. And rather than doing press with his new fiance, which of course we could argue how, say, how you know, you're flying from L.A. to do after the final rose and then do Jimmy Kimmel and then you're flying to New York to be on live with Kelly and all these different things. How healthy is that? But now he's running on with a new woman doing press for their show. He hardly knows this woman that he's engaged to. He's getting to know PETA to do dancing with the stars on Ellen. She poses a question to Nick regarding Vanessa and, and how happy they seem. And Vanessa says, Vanessa's watching from the audience and she interjects and says, we know what we have and we don't have to prove that to anyone. Yeah. And I mean, she said maybe that that's on... the mentality. She said that on after the final right. rose as well. Am, am I right? Yeah. She said we both went in wanting to be honest and, you know, and this is who we are and we're not going to change. So I, I'm so split down the middle on I don't we don't think that Dancing with the Stars was the right choice. I think that we were honest with that three weeks ago when Dancing with the Stars revealed their cast. I, I don't know what to think of this situation. I think that we're bringing in JoJo and Jordan. JoJo and Jordan moved immediately back to Texas right after press ended within a month of the show, you know, being over and they're ha- happy together right, down there. Right, but you say that, but at the same time, Jordan also got a role, a, a job. I believe it was SEC Network or whatever it was mm-hmm. doing something with college football and being on air for that. There was drama surrounding that. Yeah, and did he just go on the show to get, to be famous and get on air and do what his passion? So. I feel like no matter what you do, whether it's Dancing with the Stars or something like that, you're still taking time away. Like, you're going to be working. I get what you're saying, but at the same time, I feel like it could subside. And my question now is, if you look back at Andy's season, of course, that after the final rose was different in that Nick Mm. did include a lot of drama. And and his line, something like, if you weren't in love with me, why did you make love to me? Got a lot of buzz, and that's why a lot of people hated Nick and maybe still do is because of that moment but then you had Josh and Andy come out together and they seemed so in love and they were so happy and of course we've read Andy's book they weren't in love there were so many issues I mean maybe they were uh, that's not that's not fair to say she said she doesn't blame her breakup on Nick no that failed relationship but that did open a huge can of worms of unhealthiness and she admitted to Josh that she slept with him but Josh had an issue with the entire world knowing I don't blame that that's stemming from a lot of issues. I also don't blame that being the cause of a breakup. I don't know. I can't stand Nick, Aaron. I really can't. This has been a horrible season. I know. You're really, you're over it. I'm so happy it's over, Aaron. I'm so happy for Nick and Vanessa. I would have chosen, you know, I would have chosen Vanessa if I was Nick as well. This season was nothing short of horrible, and it was all because of Nick. I know you feel that way. I don't know if I completely (laughs) agree, but I do think that this season was, I think one of the problems with Nick was that he was too in his own head about it, and he knows too much about the show already. You said that. It was was like he was producing his own show. show. You said that throughout but what I wanted to talk about as regards to Andy and Josh is they put on such a front and they seemed so happy and all their press was so giddy and whatnot and Andy would write in her book how they would do that and then they would go home and all they would do would argue and it was so unhealthy then you have a couple like Nick and Vanessa who's upfront about it like look we have our issues and we're working on it and we're not going to fake it in the public eye and to me that's a healthier way to handle a relationship and to handle issues in a relationship and I think in a way that could make them stronger and they're both such realists and they are so similar and they mentioned that on the show as a potential problem in their relationship but I do think when you have all of this hate you have all of this media attention you have all of this buzz about you it's helpful to have someone else who's a realist just like you in the same mindset like look let's be honest to the media let's explain that yeah we're a regular couple working on our issues and and we'll see where it goes from there and I think that that's a healthy way and it could mean it works out for them you pose a great point Aaron and like you just said we'll see where it goes from there we bring up the season being different and and you know television taking a toll and and press and whatnot we have to move on we have to talk about the future and what's to come Rachel whom we're both absolutely ecstatic is to be the next bachelorette but this season and I don't want to sound like Chris Harrison is a season like none other than we've ever seen before and that is factual information and it point. hasn't even really started. I mean, or has it? Could it have? Because we've now seen, I don't know, like 10, about 10 of the men who are going to be on the season out of maybe 25 or 30. Right. That's a huge chunk. And that is because, well, they the started. Season, season starts on after the final rose, apparently. Crazy. 
How? What was your immediate reaction when Chris said the Bachelorette starts right now? What did I you think? I felt bad for Rachel in a sense. Okay. I felt as though she was getting a moment taken away from her. I don't know. I didn't I like agree. it. Did you? I, I have mixed feelings because at first I felt the same way as you. I was like, they, she is going to not get her first night. She's not going to get to have the limo arrivals. But that's not what it really ended up being. I mean, she met four of the men. And it was awkward and it was uncomfortable. And that's, in a sense, why I liked it. Because live TV is supposed to be awkward and uncomfortable sometimes. And that's why Chris Harrison was like, I'm standing over there freaking out. Because they needed this. They needed some sort of ratings. I mean, from a TV production aspect, I feel like it was a really smart move to do something different. Nobody cared about Nick and Vanessa by the end of this. They wanted to move on to Rachel. Rachel's going to come out, say her scripted lines. I mean, she. I mean, she's so well-spoken that it's almost like, all right, come on. Oh, like, my Let's gosh. get to know the real you. And right. I, I mean, it feels genuine. Like, she really is like that. But at the same time, we needed, we needed something more. And this was that something more. Okay, that's a great point. I, I like that point. You're right. They, do needed some, they did need something more. Good for them for taking a step in the direction of that and not backtracking and using a man that we've seen on four different shows before. <laughs> Sorry, I can't drop it. Also, very, very, very quickly, Erin, I have to go back to the finale. I say how we weren't thrilled to see it and how it transpired. What I wasn't thrilled about at all is the fact that they meet Santa in Finland and nobody drops a St. Nick pun, a St. Nicholas pun. Okay. I know. That was your biggest disappointment. I had to go back and talk about that, touch upon that. Let's fast forward, though. Rachel appears on the Ellen DeGeneres show just yesterday, or by the time that this gets on the air, just at some point within the past week, and we meet six more guys, and oh, by the way, Erin, she's there on a group date. It's weird. It's weird, and I love Ellen. Everyone knows that, and I love The Bachelor. Your favorite show, arguably, Ellen. Yes, She's your girl. She is. But this just... It seemed weird. And I mean, Ellen does this thing where she, if it's the Super Bowl or the World Series or whatever it may be, she brings out two male strippers and she sends them out into the audience and they each represent one team. And whoever collects the most money is who she predicts is going to win. And it's worked every time. And she keeps saying that, like, this is a method to figure out who's going to win. So they did it with these six men. And it was so, I don't know if it was like uncomfortable or weird, but just the fact that like this was their group date and they were on Ellen doing this. I don't know. It just, it was weird. And again, you talk about viewership and all that. It seems like they went on Ellen as a strategic move. I mean, granted, everything in TV, nothing really is on accident. Everything is well thought out. Everything is strategic. We know that just from studying it. But my point being is that it just seemed all too planned. It seems like there's too much press going into it involving Rachel and these men. And Bachelor, own who you are as a show. Let's change things a little bit just for the sake of spicing things up. But how much do you need to change I don't know. Am I all that enticed? I'm not watching this and I'm not itching to see in four four months, you know, what's going to happen on, on the season when it premieres in actually two months at this point. It always usually premieres on the Sunday of Mother's Day um, <laughs> in May. But, Erin, all I'm saying is that do something different, spice it up, but how much different until we lose interest and we're just like, it's so forced. Yeah, and it, I think that they kind of crossed the line here. I mean, we mentioned what happened on After the Final Rose, but we didn't really explain it. So if you don't know, what happened was – Rachel was standing there and they brought in four men one at a time so her first four men just as they would on the first night they come out of the limo they walk out they introduce themselves it's awkward they hug whatnot he leaves and they did that with four men but just to do it again where we meet six more on Ellen just like mm, now you've gone too far now you're you're going too outside the realm and and yes some of the dates are public but never this public I mean you can go out and hope that you see a date or they did Um, I know like on-camera audiences was doing RSVPs for, I believe, a basketball date. And, you know, you could be in the crowd there and whatnot and see the date happen. That's cool. But to be on national TV, I don't know. I didn't like it. And to have it revealed this soon, again, I didn't like it. It's safe to say that they're trying to do different things. But like we said, give Rachel her shot. Don't take it away from this stardom. I think that these people struggle enough with having to do all these press events, you know, meeting these guys, and you throw TV into the mix. Let's seclude them for a little bit because, let's face it, putting them out into Hollywood and on a soundstage, how real is that to begin with anyway? You know, you're on Ellen, but you you have a time slot here. There's a segment. You're going to be on for seven minutes. Rachel's going to do an interview for three minutes and then you're gone where does that date go from there what have you learned about these men what have you learned about Rachel other than being overwhelmed on Warner Brothers lot meeting Ellen DeGeneres yeah I mean that takes people out of their element so I guess in in some senses that's good but in the other senses it's not you're not seeing these men and yes you want to get them out of their comfort zone and you want to see them a little uncomfortable but this isn't the way to do it 
absolutely. And I think that, you know, we're, not to sound like Nick and Vanessa, but realists. And although this show dives into a sense of, you know, not really reality and something so far out of the norm, let's keep it that way. And let's not try and branch out and turn it into something it's not because I don't know how well that's going to go over for people. And we're, we're two individuals who are capable of analyzing the pros and the cons of this situation. Some people might not and say, I hate it. I'm turning this off. I don't care. I don't know. I think that we're really excited to see how this transpires, though. I know I wasn't all that positive about Nick being The Bachelor, but we're ecstatic to see Rachel. Definitely. And one thing that I'm looking forward to is at the end to see if she gets engaged. And that brings up one thing that we didn't talk about that I just remembered that I do want to mention, and that Mm -hmm. is the controversy about the engagement rings on the show. And I don't know if you saw this, but there was controversy when Robbie came out saying that the ring that he picked for JoJo was the ring Nick picked for Vanessa. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Did you see this? I saw this. Yeah. So they're coming out saying Neil Lane apparently brings six rings for them to choose from. That's great. He changes them up once in a while. What's popular? What's hot? What's new? What's fresh? Whatever it may be. And the man gets to pick which ring he wants. I'm sure if Robbie had ended up with JoJo, that ring would not have been brought again. Absolutely But not. it was never used. Why not bring it again? And they he, came out with a statement about it, right? Yeah, I don't remember exactly what it was, he, but I remember Neil Lane saying some, it was something he about said, how... I reuse, like, oftentimes I'll bring another ring if I feel as though it's still beautiful and relevant and worthy of yeah you know, and the he show. said if it speaks to them and it speaks to their relationship good and in different rings fit different relationships and that's the ring that shows the love between nick and vanessa and so be it that's great i just i think it's ridiculous that people are saying you know robbie's like hey that's the ring that i picked for jojo now nick gets it like what well robbie no. you're irrelevant no he's right? so irrelevant for pressure for professional swimmer I want to wake up next to you and and go to work every day what's the job Nick what's the job Robbie rather because all it says on your thing is that you were at one time a a I love when it says that like former something former swimmer and it's interesting though I think if anything the only problem that I had with the rings I don't care who had the ring before it's not like Jojo got engaged to Robbie they they had to give the ring back to Neil and you know if they don't make it for a year or whatever and so I don't think that that's really what I care about so much as Neil Lane introduced the first ring and said this is the biggest ring I've ever given to a contestant or or even you know provided it was a beautiful ring and Nick didn't choose it that's the only issue that I have (laughs) I, I caught on to that. That's the only problem that I had. Other than that, I don't think that you can say. I mean, these rings these rings belong to no one other than the person that ends up with the ring, the woman that ends up with it. So for Robbie to even pose this question, for people to even be drawing upon the similarities of the ring and who cares? I mean, to think about how many rings he even has to provide. The fact that, yes, there's the bachelor would pick one because he knows who he's going to pick. But on the bachelorette, usually there's two men who each pick a ring. And then on Bachelor in Paradise, there were, what, three engagements last year? I mean, that's six rings right there. Right. That's a lot of rings to have to provide to all be amazing and different. You want to give people options, but you also want them to pick something that they love. And I think people are allowed to have similar tastes, right? Of course. So, I don't know. It's just interesting. Another thing for Nick and Vanessa to have to kind of argue or justify about themselves. What happens if two men pick the same ring for The Bachelorette? They can't let that happen. But no, they wouldn't. But say they did, wouldn't that be hilarious? Like, he has the ring in his pocket she like breaks up with him and then he has to give the ring back immediately and they pass it on to the next bachelor. It could happen. It, hey, it might happen. This this If they both this, love the ring, hey. This season of Rachel's is to be unlike any other unlike we've any ever other. seen. So you know what, Aaron, maybe okay, that Chris. will be the twist at the end. I know. Well, I think that that'll do it for today. We talked a lot about relationships in the media just in general, whether it's on the court, off the court, all around the world in Los Angeles. What a rich conversation that we had today. Um Aaron and Steve, of course. Thank you, Steve Altieri, the ICTV sports director, for being with us and joining us today on the show. Definitely. Thank you to our producer, Kate Douglas, and our audio technician, David Petka, and we will see you next week. The recap presented by ICTV will return next week. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at the underscore recap and like us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the recap podcast. 